do you find as a singer you still cringe when you hear your own voice? N- no, I don't. Uh, well, I'm going to find out, aren't I? <laughs> um, but how but I'm talking. Seen? I'm talking singing voice though. Like when you singing when you voice. hear your own records back, is that is there that little bit of your head that goes? That is really cringe. Should it? Should it be? Are you hinting towards something there? <laughs> I'm getting used to it, but like I still listen to my own records. I'm just like, that is so cringe. <laughs> really? But, yeah, because I think it's a human nature thing, isn't it? It's like, I'm sure people listening will know the feeling when you hear your voice for the first time on something, you just can't get over that weird sensation of being like, oh my God, is that what I really sound like? I, d- I think I do get that, yeah. But at the same time, it's weird actually, because I probably listen to my music quite a lot i know that sounds quite does that sound quite egotistical but, bit, I, but, but i really enjoy listening I to my you. music I still love you though. <laughs> so for me it doesn't no i don't think i do cringe anymore i in fact i don't think i ever did oh that's really bad to say isn't it well, it's a good it's a good note to introduce you on because for, for people listening like welcome to the next episode of co talking this is this is my good friend for a long time now mr billy lockett Hello. We're in the cellar today. Yes. And I've got to say, what space. Are you a bit knackered because we've been working on songs all day and now we're doing this? To be honest, not really. I mean, I find it fun. Mm. You know, the whole thing is like, um, if you do something you love, you never work a day in your life. Um, there are times when it, is, it isn't fun and it is work, but 99% of the time it still is enjoyable. I think that's being unsigned as well does that because it's mm. it, you, you're free to kind of... You know, when I'm doing this because I want to, um, not because there's a label going, come on, we need a hit. Has that <laughs> made a difference? Because for a lot of people in lockdown and, and for people listening, by the way, as I look around the room, we've got Space Invaders lit up. We've got lamps changing colours. We've got like drapes all over the walls. It's it's yeah. a vibe in here, isn't it? It's we've, got a, it's, Nemo. we've got little Nemo here. <laughs> Barney the cat's knocking around somewhere. Mate, I tell you what, though, this, this is my favourite Monsters Inc., right? This is my favourite movie of all time. Monsters Inc. Yeah. What's this guy's name again? Uh, Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. We've got yeah. a big old Mike, Mike Wazowski. But it's pillow. actually when he's a baby, it's Monsters Inc. 2, which is a shame. We're, we're going deep now. No, Monsters do you know what? Inc. They really <laughs> let me down with that. You know, honestly, it became a kid's film. Yeah. And I know they're all a bit kid's film. You know Toy Story's kind of like on the yeah. cusp. You yeah. know, it's fun for adults. But yeah, Monsters Inc. just, yeah. It just gave up on fans like me and just went straight for the kids. <laughs> so like when you're locked down and everyone's in quarantine and you've obviously now done what i think is the right thing that you've built a studio in your house have you found yourself hitting the cabin fever are you like writing recording living breathing sleeping and you've probably been here for months on end yeah yeah that that is my life i mean i was just talking to you actually earlier about getting um a happy light you know one of those daylight things because you know I, i don't I mean, the days aren't aren't that long anyway nowadays. You know, it, it's it's dark at about four. And uh, so I wake up, see daylight for about five minutes, come down to the cellar. And even when I go up for a break, it's dark, mm. you know. And so, yeah, it's got to the point where um, it's weird. I've been doing this for about a year and it's been fine. And now, now I'm it's getting, great. Yeah. Because I, I think before it was like you work all day and then you go out and you see your friends and, and you're a human being. Whereas now it's it's really tricky. I'm finding it hard to sleep, and I think it's because the evenings are the same as the days. A lot of people have been saying this. Stop you know? struggling to sleep with the whole lockdown thing. Yeah, because you, you don't, don't have a routine. Losing routine yeah, that's yeah. It. you don't go, oh, okay, now I'm home, so I, now I do this, and then I cook dinner. and You know, I mean, luckily Kirsten has kind of like, you know, really helped me get into that routine of like, okay, you know, I'm going to come over now. Now we're going to eat. Now we're going to watch that program we watch, and then we're going to go to bed. So she's like your mentor, your, your yeah, my girlfriend, my yeah, soulmate, my mentor, everything. Um, she's uh, she does a, the schedule in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She well, like, I what's mean, it looking like for Billy Lockett? Like, what's Billy Lockett's day sort of like <laughs> looking like at the moment? Well, to be honest, um, I I normally wake up at her house because um, we don't live together now. I've just got a new house and and she's moved into it nice, um, which is great it's just like we wanted more space and we just thought not as a relationship but just more <laughs> like, places i, I to need put more space things. i'm gonna put you in this house across the street <laughs> but it's silly really because i you know we, i spend most of the time at hers or she'll stay here but um but yeah normally once i'll, I'll just record uh and write all day down here and then at six kirsten will call me and say right we need to stop now because <laughs> like, yeah. otherwise she's a workaholic as well. So we'll, sometimes we'll just work and work and work. Um, and it's hard as well because I tend to do all my social media. I don't know about you, but 
I tend to do all my social media stuff after I finish work mm. and I don't include that as work, which I probably should. Yeah, I think that's a dangerous game. The, the whole you find thing, you're working constantly. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about this earlier. The whole social game is just is just really weird now. There's really strange vibes. Everything that's changing. Everyone's seen the social dilemma that just dropped recently. That it's just like a it's just like a mind fuck on so many levels of what's happening now. And it's like you say, yes, it is work. And sometimes what you think is like, I'm just going to post that on Instagram. And then you're thinking about it, and you're doing a copy, and you've got to link some something, or you're promoting something. Before you know it, you spent a couple of hours just getting across your platforms. Yeah. And it's like a it's like a job it's, it's i mean it is sadly half of the job it is really. yeah, yeah. and i always think to myself like i wonder what john lennon's instagram story would be mm. you know or like or bob dylan's tiktok what would that yeah, look yeah. like you know? you know what that's a sick idea to just start one and just like go <laughs> yeah. through his lineage of like oh i wrote just wrote a song today you know like just wrote imagine today and then drop it like the week i just some voice memos on an iphone <laughs> imagine, uh, yeah. yeah i mean it's i mean i guess bob dylan probably could you know, he's still alive, yeah. so he could do it, yeah. and it would probably go crazy. But it's interesting that that was that's just a huge, huge part of my job and your job that didn't exist for people with our jobs, mm. even 10, 15 years ago. Is it something that you've been thinking about a lot recently? Well, yeah, because it's kind of, I, w I didn't really sign up to this to be um, funny, you know, or I would have been a comedian. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like that's why I do music. So I'm not that funny. Or I'm a bit funny, but not funny enough to make money out of it. And it's like you don't. You know, I, I think it's tricky because there's a lot of artists that are quite funny in music, and and that's the way they've made it. And that's well, not just the way, but it's helped them. Mm. Um, and I'm like, awesome, that's amazing. But um, I can't do that. And I hope that the general public don't start to accept, sort of expect us to do that you know that no one expects a comedian to write a song mm. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's almost part it's, of the thing it's now, part of it? this really competitive landscape because I, I i do believe that a good song is always going to cut through and you must have seen that with things like um i'm trying to think of the uh track you were showing me the other day that just grows on spotify like every month What's yeah hard to follow yeah yeah but that's a really good uh, example it's like you're not posting TikToks or trying to be funny, but that song yeah. constantly has a momentum because people are sharing it and liking it. And I think that, I hear what you say, it's definitely a confusing uh, landscape, but a good song's always going to trump things. And for me, as I watch you and... It's nice to think like that, isn't it? That's all we've got. No, we've, got we've got to think like that, yeah. <laughs> look, look at what's happening with your, with your streaming. And it's like, <laughs> it does feel though that you are in, like maybe it's fair to say, especially because we caught up recently, didn't we? We were on mm. Instagram Live. Yeah. It feels like, you are in some kind of like transitional part in your life now. Like it does yeah. feel like you've got some real new energy now starting. There's a lot of good, like I've been in the studio today and I know that I can't share this with people listening, but a lot of the music you're making seems really exciting. It's yeah. like, sounds like you're on a really different track to where you were maybe a couple of years back. It Yeah, I think being sober has, has helped with that because it's interesting. Now I've got a clear head I've still got all of the the memories of when I didn't. So it's kind of like I can use the the being a drug addict situation and all the crazy times and probably mostly awful Are you going to go there? Are you going to refer to yourself as a drug addict? Like, is that how you... Because well, having known you, I never really felt that you were that bad. Do you like, know what the thing is? The only way I could quit was by ex by calling it that. Because the reason I was becoming a drug addict was by constantly not thinking I was one. You know, everyone would say, you know, you probably need to cut down, you know. And this is the thing. What is a drug addict? Um, it's someone who can't not do drugs, basically. You know, yeah. a lot of people... You obviously just handled it really well, though. Like a champion. Well, you know what? Some of my mates were like, surprising, you were doing quite well, yeah. considering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And it's like... I mean, James Corden, <laughs> flying to LA, doing some of the biggest TV shows in the world. Like I, was on, I was on coke for everything. Everything yeah. I did, I was on coke. I mean, the thing about it is, I... Um, I wasn't waking up in the morning and doing, well, some, when it got bad at times, that's when I would think, oh, better stop. And then it would go back down to two or three nights a week. You know, it would be, it would be every Friday night or every Saturday night. And then it would creep into being, okay, then it was a Tuesday and a Thursday and a Saturday, you know, and then you're like, hang on a minute, mm -hmm. then I'm on, I'm either on it or I'm going to come down. And, you know, and most of the time it would just be an evening thing. And this is the thing. I want people to understand that it's not normal to do coke once a week like that's not that's not cool uh, i mean it's it's not 
good for you. And it really, really... You're about to say, it's not cool, kids. Don't do it. <laughs> no, like, no, no, but it's no, like... No, it's cool, but like... When I say but this cool, is, this is like... the problem. It, 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 obviously, you wouldn't do it if you didn't have amazing experiences from it. But with that said, the trade at the end of the day, you've decided, look, as great as those times were, it's just not making sense for you with what you want to do, your ambition in life, where yeah. you're going. Well, it was the thing is, no one's... It's not very well documented, this kind of... Uh, alcohol and cocaine combination because it's like with me I I did I never really had a big problem with booze it was just every time I drank I would then need coke like it was impossible for me to not mm. and I, I started to think to myself god every time I've got drunk in the last like three or four years I've been on I, I've ended up being on coke and but like part of that surely when you like you take the inhibition away you you you're more free thinking well, you're thinking kind of, what I want it so I'm gonna have it well, sort of, but it's actually a different chemical in your body. Right. It's, uh, cocaine and alcohol is the only two drugs when mixed together. I think this is right. When mixed together, they become a different chemical in your in your system. Yeah. Whereas every other drug, you take it and it's that drug. Mm. You know, you can drink with shrooms and, and acid and all these other things, but really, they're all doing their own thing. Mm. Whereas with cocaine and alcohol, it's a specific... I think it's called cocaphenol or something. There's some name. I mean, I studied the whole thing because I was like, why do I... Why am I not ever in, like, since quitting, that was the trick for me. Because, like, as soon as I quit the booze, it was a lot easier to quit the coke. Mm. You know, and, and it was, I'm very lucky that I didn't have a real problem with drink. You know, because it's, with me, it was, it's like, you know, you go into a shop and there's booze everywhere. You know, and for me, I'm not even slightly tempted by that. Whereas if I'd gone into a shop and there was just coke everywhere... I mean that'd be tough. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a little bag is full of. <laughs> yeah, so I feel really sorry for alcoholics because you know it's something so. Even you, you know, you texted me um, a few days ago, like, yeah, so I'll come around, do a podcast, and we'll have a beer afterwards. And it's kind of that thing of it's so normalised. We are British, though. Exactly, yeah. but it's like imagine if it was like we'll come around and we'll do a line, and and that would have been totally normal, like you know, four months ago. But but it's it's just interesting the the changes that have happened and and how how so like if you if you could walk me through uh, i mean a lot of people listening uh, to this are going to know you anyway but like try and paint the picture of billy lockett a couple of years ago that i obviously would have known tell me about you know you were signed you were in one of the biggest labels obviously you were going on massive tours yeah. then what what was the transition like so like paint the picture back then well, it, uh, transition in terms of my mental state or in terms of my career. I'd say I'd say both probably come hand yeah. in hand, but like, because because what? When did you get signed? When was that moment? Well, I got I got signed when I was twenty two, twenty three, I think. Yeah, it was about twenty three, and and if I'm honest, I signed too early. I kind of, I just did it because I, if I'm honest, just wanted my mum to think I had a real job. I mean, that was really it. And I was just, you know, I'd been going for about six years, five or six years. And I was just getting to the point where I was like, I just want someone to validate me in some way. Because mm. how long, you know, there's something about being signed, isn't there? You know, you could have done nothing for two years. And you go up to one of your mates and go, oh, I just got signed. It's like, wow. Yeah. Or you could have been gigging constantly, building up a ma massive fan base. But if you're not unsigned still, they're kind of like, oh, you'll get there. Mm. You know, he's like, it's yeah. so, it's ridiculous. So I, I signed, you know, and... It was a slow start. It's interesting when you when you sign, you kind of think, "All right, here we go." Made it now. I mean, and I was I wasn't exactly thinking I, I was going to make it, but I was definitely thinking something was going to happen. Mm. You know, like uh, like writing or you know, we're going to start releasing music. There's it, an expectation set that you then have an engine that's just going to start shooting yeah. or behind at least, you. At least a plan. Yeah. You know, um, and this is the thing: a label is essentially just people who are paid to do the same things that your mate can do hopefully better mm. <laughs> you know but what i found was worse <laughs> you know? that bad <laughs> it's actually yeah. worse and you know i ended up having to just go back to my mates who were doing a better job i mean this is the thing you know people that work in labels they might not even like your music and now and now they've got a tell everybody how great you are mm. for the next two years it, the whole system is flawed really well it's it also because I, I learned a lot from you through that process and i learned a lot through other people and it's no surprise to, to my listeners i've always advocated independent careers but yeah. the thing is you have really smart gems of people that sit in those labels but it is a roll of the dice whether you're going to get someone who's really yeah. smart really switched on waking up early so they can get in and do their job really well yeah. or people who are sitting on facebook after day and not really giving a fuck about 
the 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 twenty different catalogs that they got to try and push that week. And that's it. it and isn't it? it? And so when you're, many. When you're gambling, you either get lucky with a good set of people, and you're and you're killing it. Or, or you don't. And I think good people are rare. They always yeah, are. They are. And a, a lot of the time, even if you do meet a good person... They might change. They're not going to be in that... Like, yeah, I mean, mm. it's interesting. There's a photo of me when I signed, um, me and my mum, and, you know, the whole champagne thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, Stood in front of that logo. Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but, like, And I looked in the picture and I was like, oh, my God, like... You know, t- uh, even a year later, not one person in that picture was working on my project. Really? No, I think there was one person, and he was awful, and I never even wanted him on the project anyway. Right, okay. and guy. We won't name names. Yeah, I won't say his name, but he was this young yeah. young guy. Bless him. He, he, it's interesting, he didn't even know what he liked. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Like, yeah. Just as a, a human. Yeah. You know, right. not, not as an indecisive on every yeah. level, right? You know, he just sort of like plays songs to people and go, is it good? You know, it's like, isn't that your job? And did that, like, what what was the effect for you? And bringing a bit of your personality into this, because I've known you for so long. It's like, I, I've always seen you as someone who, you, you, when it's right, it, you know it's right. But, like, you 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 are indecisive sometimes. So, like, if you yeah. have a team around you where, where they're making you second-guess stuff, that must have been a bit of a mindfuck for you. It's hard because, so... You know, you go on your gut feeling and then I signed and I went on my gut feeling and then got told it was wrong for so long that I forgot how to even hear my gut feeling. You know, and that right. that's always talking to you. It's just whether or not you want to listen to it, really. And so I just kind of forgot what was good. And I was ended up writing songs and then just sending them to the A&Rs and then going, is it good enough? And then they would go, yes. No, sorry. They would go, no. And then occasionally they would say yes. Mm. But it meant that when I left them, I was kind of like, Oh my god! I've got to relearn what the hell's right, you know, because because I'd forgotten. Because yeah, it's, it's a subjective thing, isn't it? It's exactly. totally subjective, and it's like I do find it weird when there are, and, and everyone can relate to this. Everyone can relate to like having a, a gut feeling about something that is completely a creation of yours, which is completely subjective. It, there's no right or wrongs. It's a total like grey area thing, and it's so weird when people come in and make yeah. judgment as if what they're saying is right or wrong. A and R men. That's the. I mean, and it's hard for them. Their job is to basically. Yeah, it must be hard because at the they've end got of to the find day, the majority, haven't they? But at the end of the day, if they if they're signing stuff that isn't going to get through and working, then then they're next on the line, and that's a that's a heavy like yeah load to carry. Do you know what? I think I think that was probably one of the problems because I found it. It was a bit like politicians, really. No one ever wanted to make a decision, an actual decision. It was kind of like. Yeah, that could that could happen constantly until something fell over the line. Yeah, no one wanted no to have one... that sort of backbone to go. Whether yeah. this works or not, yeah. I'm going to back it. And exactly. Yeah, no I'm one. With you. And then and so the problem was when it went wrong, everyone was on the fence anyway. No one could blame anyone but me. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> and I'd be going, well, I told you it was shit. I, you know, the product. Like there was this one song that we. You know, I wrote this song with a guy called Sam Dixon, amazing writer, and we wrote this really cool song called Feel So Good. And then, uh, oh my God, we gave it to the A&R guys and they sent it to this like really cool producer in America. See, I like this. And I know know what you're going to say, but I like this song. I think it's a good song. (laughs) Anyway, sent it back and I was like, and I instantly called my A&R guy and and he, uh, well, the higher up A&R guy, the more senior one that had come on to sort of take on the project. And I was like, mate, like, this is a joke. Like, it was so bad. And then it was just, I mean, the one that came out ended up being all right, but you should have heard the first mix. It was so shiny and cheesy and lame. And I said to him, I can't do it. And he was was pretty much point blank, if you don't release this, I'm going to drop you. You know, it it was like that. that You know, it's like, well, he was basically like, you know, well, if, if you don't, want to do this why don't you go downstairs and talk to the head head um, of the label and talk about going to a shit little indie because mm. we want hits and it was kind of like oh god now i'm in this really awkward situation where this guy who's had tons of hits in the past is telling me that i'm wrong and i've got no hits and i'm young and i want to learn so i was and i just thought to myself you know what i talked to kirsten about it i talked to my manager at the time and i was like 
I'm just going to do this. And take a punt on, yeah. on the advice of people who it know that. It got better. to the point where I was it's, like, I'm just going to stop. principle. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I kept fighting, I kept yeah. fighting. And then I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do what they say. You know, wear this, dress, wear this pink fucking mm. denim jacket with and converses up to your knees. And like a, a, like yeah. a fucking tank top, like Eve St. Laurent cap and stuff. Do all that. Run around a cornfield. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do all that. But if this doesn't work, I'm off. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like... And, and I tried it and what because uh, and and it and it flopped every single song that they forced me to release that my gut feeling said no about flopped and every song that I forced them to release worked you know fading into great empty house um, covered in chaos all of those they were my babies and I, and I really wanted them to work and they did and now they've all you know together they've got like twenty thirty million streams and and even it's a big moment as well for like <laughs> I, I, there are. I say this all the time, but for the for the musicians who are watching and people who are artists, because I know that there's some people who connect with this, it's like what you're saying is such a big couple of years to learn from because yeah. it's you can't rewind that. And I and I have to say, like I align with so much. I've been in parts of my life where I've had those mentor kind of people who have been like, look, this is a smash. Trust me, this is going to work. I know you're not so in love with it, but put it out anyway. Yeah. And you and every time you do, there's whether it's just the universe <clears throat> teaching you a lesson because you haven't got that 100% conviction in it. It's always the surprises that you just yeah. create. They've got some heart and soul. You yeah. throw down a good vocal that means something, and people can people can hear those subtle differences in lyrics and the way it's singers deliver feeling. stuff. It's, yeah, it's just gut feeling. Mm. It's that, I think that's the hard thing. A and R men don't really choose songs on feeling, like because they've never really written a song, so they they don't they don't really understand that. I mean, sometimes you know, sometimes you do get a great A and R man. To be fair, there are times where artists, you know, are in a bit of a mess and A and R guy can go, right, that producer, that song's bad, that song's good, cool. Hmm. And it works. You know, but I think with me it was I was an album artist and I knew I was going to be a long journey you know I still, I feel still feel like I'm at the beginning of it even though I've been doing it 10 years but I want this to be 40 of, years that's know? kind of where the transition comes in right because you've been signed you go through one of the you, you kind of got upsold to one of was it Parlophone or? Uh, yeah then we yeah then we moved to Parlophone but this is it, it. So, so then you went <laughs> then you went just passing me around like a joint yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is it you you couldn't have gone bigger in that system and then all of a sudden you clean yourself up you quit the drugs. You come out and you go, right? Fuck all this off. Let's start again. Well, I, I mean, I had a uh, when I left the label, I did have a a year where I really went for it with the drugs. Like there was, a, there was, I remember, a, I remember. There was a, I really <laughs> yeah. tried with that. Yeah, oh, I nailed it. Yeah, but also like it was, it was a weird time because I think, like you say, that's where in a way you lose that validation all of a sudden, and yeah. it's like, well, hold on, now I don't have someone to tell me that I'm good or bad, and like, and then you've got to realize you've got to orientate yourself on your own key principles, my own, and your yeah. own key principles are in the fucking dust anyway because you're not sure. Well, I was un I, I sort of knew what I wanted to sound like, but I was unsure it was going to work really. And I think this is another problem that people do sometimes assume with drugs is that you know when everything goes really badly, you become you get into drugs and then you become a mess. Mm. If anything, for me, it was when things went well, and I was on top of the world. And I wanted to have fun. I wanted to enjoy myself. Mm. When I, when things were going badly, I kind of thought, okay, I need to sort my shit out. I need to work out what the hell to do. I can't. I need a clear head. So is that what start? Is well, that I what mean, triggered got, your process? I got dropped, but I didn't see that as a as a bad thing. I saw it as a, an amazing thing because it was like a relief. It was like, oh my, oh my god, I can put out music I want to put out, yeah, and yeah. you know they've given me my rights back and everything's brilliant. And then, I mean, we were very lucky because. You know, I begged them to put out this song called Hard Act to Follow for ages and ages. And they were just like, yeah, it's a good song, but no, um, basically. And so th when they dropped me, I then put out the song. And uh, like two weeks later, James Corden uh, emailed me. How do, I mean, how does that happen? How does James Corden just drop you an email and go, hey, Billy, I heard your song? Like, well, I actually wrote the song with um, with a guy called Andy Burrows. Right, yes, I'm with it, yeah. Who is... Um, he was the drummer in Razorlight. Yeah. And when Gavin and Stacey were really big, Razorlight, Razorlight were big. Mm -hmm. And so I think that um, Andy and James, they're, f they're like family friends. Like right. I think uh, Andy's uh, wife is best mates with James Corden's wife and all their kids are mates. And so everything. it's quite a hookup. So then uh, Andy basically passes this over to well, James. Well, no, Andy and went just... there. Andy went there and, wow. and, mes and messaged me saying, hey, I'm, I'm with the Cordons at the moment mm. and I'm going to play them the song. Do you mind? Wow. And I was like absolutely play them the song jesus Man, what did it feel like when you got a call when james corden said i want you to come on one of the arguably the biggest show on american television yeah just well i was on a bus actually 
and I saw saw the email, and then I just looked at the woman opposite me and screamed, and just went, "I'm going to be on the James Corden show." And she was like, "Amazing!" And then, and then we just hugged. I mean, you'd never be able to do that now with social distancing, but we just <laughs> hugged. I was just hug, hugging this stranger on the bus. Amazing. And then I just sort of ran off the bus and ran to Kirsten and told her, "Oh my God, like this is this is going to happen." And my manager was calling me like. She was talking so quickly and then she just stopped and went, oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> and she's like a robot normally. She's yeah. so like straight, never shows emotion. Yeah. She was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but then it was kind of like, oh, how the hell are we going to pull this off? Because, What do you mean by how are we going to pull it off? Like, Well, just... you've got to get a visa and we've got like what, a oh, month in terms of logistic, two. Was it that quick? So it was like he made the decision he wants you on the show. You yeah. have to be in LA a month later to go and do the... Yeah, well, I mean, he said, when are you next in LA? But I was like, well, when do you want me, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we had two two months or something, or two two or three months to get everything sorted. But, I mean, it was it was crazy. Like, the process that we had to go through, we had to get, it was like thousands of pages long, mm. you know, and it was because it was a certain type. When you say that, what, in terms of, like... The application The application process. for the visa or to yeah. go on the James Corden No, no, show, the like, visa. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, we, ha- we had to have a visa because it was on um, CBS and, right. and, you know, you can't, go on TV unless you have a work visa. Right, okay, gotcha. Even if you're not getting paid, it's like a yeah. it's like a rule, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's a rule, yeah. And I couldn't do it on like a, what's it called? Is it an I? Uh, you know what? I wouldn't know. But I know what you mean. A, a visa that basically yeah. says you can go there and uh, Esther yeah. or something. Esther, yeah, 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 yeah. that's it. And I, we tried all these different options, but it wasn't going to happen. But it was perfect because like, you know, the single had just come out. It was un- completely like independent. Like, mm. I still own all the rights to it and everything. And it's luckily, thank God, it's been my biggest song and, and, and it's totally changed my life you know, in every way. Um, Cheers to that, mate. Cheers. That, thank you. Because it's well-deserved as well. well Cheers. Deserved. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, I'm, I'm so... It's Yeah, you spend your whole life finding the hit and even though it isn't a, a hit hit, you know... Why is there, they're we live in a world in where that ways can, now, yeah. It's like, what do you call a hit? Because... You know, it's, when you, it's given when, me a house. When you yeah. have millions of people <laughs> streaming your stuff on Spotify, so I'm pretty sure it's... Yeah, I mean, it's a different level now, isn't it? It's, mm. it's You know, it, back in the day, it used to be you're either massive or you're nobody, whereas now it's kind of Spotify has given people it's, like me the chance yeah. to have a good career and not be... And, and still be able to go to, like, you know, Sainsbury's. <laughs> yeah, man. But this is also why... the Part of what, what we're doing now, obviously, and part of, like, this podcast, is I've, I've always wanted to... Th- even if we go back, I've always preached this. I think a long time ago there yeah, was you this... you were preaching there, it to me. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, I mean, how long have we known each other now? Far too long. Ten years? Yeah, maybe? and it's just like, even yeah. back then it was like, holy shit, when stuff like Spotify works, like when yeah. music rights don't have to be put through this like massive canon of a major, it's like, you're going to have everyone being able to just release music and it's going to stream and then they can keep their rights. It's like, yeah, it's so exciting where this is going to go because for me, when you left the label... I know that you were in a bit of a rocky place about the whole thing, but yeah. I knew that this was going to be good for you. And what's going to happen now as you go forward is like, I mean, wh- how do you feel your productivity has been since you got clean? Like since you... It's been... Well, it's it's a different world. It's not, it's not really so much my productivity when it comes to my music because that was something I always loved doing, even though... The thing about Coke is it's like... It, it's an ego boost and anything that's going to accelerate you it's a very selfish drug and anything that's going to help me feel better about myself you know I'm going to really push on and and that was kind of so the music was never the problem it was everything else in my life that was that was crumbling that I, I didn't I didn't realize like the beauty of like my friendships and my relationship and just feeling good about yourself and not feeling guilty about anything and actually like getting pleasure in being a good person mm. you know and it's like that thing of when i was when i was a drug addict it was kind of like um oh what was going to say i've totally f- uh, lost my train of thought to eat your mic um yeah it was kind of like this karma thing that's what i was talking about i'd always I, I never believed in karma because i always used to just be a dickhead and <laughs> do all the wrong things you know all the wrong things like yeah. you know oh don't take drugs because it'll be a problem yeah. you, you'll ruin your life you know and every, all of my ex-girlfriends used to just cheat on them i didn't care and i was just an arsehole i'd always just shit on people and i always thought karma doesn't exist because everything's going right in my life mm. you know and then i'm and now i'm like no 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 
karma doesn't exist, but it's a way of you making sure that you're a better person. You know, that's the point of it. I was missing the do you point. Think I was seeing it as a, do you still think karma doesn't exist? I was thinking, I thought it was a science that's bullshit. And now Mate. I'm like, no, 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 it's a way of life. I'm a very <laughs> scientific man, you know that. But I am so, I so believe in karma. I just think there can't be any other way that the universe can function. It's like, if you're just going to be a dickhead and shit on everyone all day, every day, it's like, it's just a matter of time before your world gets a little like smellier. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but it did... Uh, I guess the thing is you have to go on experience and at yeah. the time I was like God I think I was just very angry about the whole situation with my dad and we never really got on that well and and then he died and I felt like it was just the whole thing was just really frustrating and I'd, it's interesting a lot of therapists and rehab things that I went through countless times because um, you know I was trying to quit for years you mm. know quitting quitting takes a long time you know it's almost like a relationship really it's like you know, when when you break up with someone, you you probably were breaking up with them for about a year before mm. you did it. You know, and and it was kind of that that with me. Um, it, it's really it's it's hard to explain. But nowadays, I'm I'm just so grateful. I, I can't believe how good life can be, and I, I totally forgot the importance of of being a good person and 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 being like happy with yourself. Mm. You know, it was kind of for me. Everything was about how everything's going on stats. That's how happy I am. And what what my career's doing. But now it's about you know how do I feel today? And what and you know did I help my friend yesterday when she was having a bad time with, you know, with, with a family issue or something? You know, do I, and that makes me feel good now. Whereas before it was kind of like, what's the point in any of that? You know, it's, mm. I know that sounds crazy to think, but sometimes I kind of think that. <laughs> That you so forget many that. people are going to be listening to this going yeah they can kind of see where you're coming from though as well it's yeah maybe that's just a natural it's so obvious like, though isn't it don't be a dick it's obvious <laughs> I know. but we're all but we're all born dickheads aren't we and then we and then at some point in life we figure out that you can't just be a dickhead all the time and then yeah at some point you do i, I think that was the thing I, I started to see my whole life falling apart really and in and what maybe, ways though like what came well what? my manager sort of you know my manager dropped me because uh, she just couldn't really deal with the my mood swings were all over the place because you'd either when I was in the quitting process I'd go for like two or three weeks of quitting and be very agitated mm. um and then when I was when I was on it I was constantly like calling her all the time and just coming up with new ideas and it, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I was a nightmare just a bit intense and I, and I apologize to her because it, it was a hard job like managing me um through that time um but yeah it's it's a it's a totally different world now. It's strange. My new managers like have no idea how easy going I am now. Just a nightmare beforehand. It's yeah. good. It's good though. Like I'm trying to think. Is this around about the time when you came down to mine when we had that session? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the thing because I, yeah, I lost. I, I, can... I lost my girlfriend. That was the thing. You know. Yeah, I, I was just. I could see my whole life crumbling a little bit, and because um, I have to say, like, if I rewind my whole life and i think who is the saddest person <laughs> at the saddest point i will think of billy lockett that day when you came down to my studio i was like i've never seen anyone that sad I just it, like you everything. were like you were holding your gut because yeah. it physically was hurting yeah that's how sad you were and it's it's interesting to think you know, I was—I'd lost my girlfriend. I'd lost my manager. Uh, my house was falling apart. My career was dying on its ass, um, and I—I I kind of always just blamed it on specific things about those situations. Like me and my girlfriend didn't work because uh, she's got a new job and she's changed and she's done that and she's done this. And my manager isn't good enough and she can't get me the right festivals and she's not pushing the right people. She doesn't know enough contacts. And it's really, it was down to me handling everything badly because I was always on a come down or I was fucked. Mm. So it, Really, it was. I know it's weird that coke ruined my life. <laughs> like it's, it's all stemmed <laughs> from kids. that. Stay in school because I, you know, when I when I stopped, you just everything became a lot easier. You don't feel like you're juggling life. You feel like you're enjoying the struggles and the processes. And and nowadays, when I feel bad, I can really think about it and go, okay, what in my life isn't right, and how can I fix that? Whereas before, it was like I feel bad because I'm wasted and everything else i can't even notice what that feels like because because the, the come down is just too much because yeah. <laughs> it is a chemical in your brain you know that you wake up and you just i remember the last time i actually did it um 
I went for three months and then I relapsed. And uh, and I remember waking up in the... Well, I didn't really wake up because that's the thing with Coke. You just sort of... It's, you'd like, it's almost like you're dreaming while you're awake. That's the only way I can describe it. You're just buzzing. My heart was going crazy. And my roof of my mouth felt bloodshot and... Oh, just the bags, the bags under your eyes hurt. They're, they're so big, they hurt. And all of all of your skin is just like itchy. Mm. It's just, oh, it's so horrible. And my mum called me to talk about something uh, work-related. And, and I just sort of explained to her that, oh, and Kirsten was really mad at me because I'd, I'd fucked up and done it again. Um, and my mum was just like, why don't you just stop? You know, and it, and it just, it just sounded so easy and i just felt so bad with myself because it's like i'm being such a pain in the ass something that everybody in the world finds so easy i just can't do and there's so many other things in my life that i've been able to do that no one else can like you know some of the things i achieved in my life people spent their years trying to do and something so simple like not taking coke is just impossible it was just impossible and then you know i'm bursting into tears and just Grind down the phone, and, and you know that was probably the first time I'd cried in like ten years. I didn't even cry when my dad died. You know, I'd, I'd been waiting for that moment to cry, and I, and even then, it wasn't a really a cry. I, I was almost trying to squeeze a few out just to get some release. Really, it's just something I sort of forgot how to do fifteen years ago, and um, and and that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is it now. Like this is it, and so far so good. It's been four months, and this is and the difference with this is I've gone public with it. Because for the whole, everyone like that's heard about this will be in shock because I never, I was a squeaky clean profile. Mm. You know what I mean? My fans were young, yeah, like, and I, I didn't want anyone to know about this side of me. I kept it very quiet. Mm. Um, and then I knew that if I was to say to everybody, and it was on my birthday and I was like, you know what, I'm, this is my first sober birthday and I'm going to really try it. I've got a problem. And now I just feel like, I've got such a bigger chance of quitting because I'll be letting all my fans down and myself and my fa- like. There's just so much more to lose than when it's just your own internal. Don't do it, mm. you know. So is that one of the things you would say to people who might be aligning with those struggles? Is like just basically talk about it and make sure or you're or accept that there isn't it isn't normal to do. I'm I'm not talking. You know, I wasn't a heroin addict, and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not you know crack and heroin is a different world i mean it's not miles away i'm just and i i'm just saying you know that one night a week of getting drunk at the pub with your mates and then having a line honestly it can so easily slip into being three nights and then instead of going to bed at three you're going to bed at five and instead of getting two grams you're getting seven grams you know it's in the space of five or six months that can turn into your life and you know it's you have to you have to accept that that's that's a problem. Mm, you know? That's money as well. Oh, dude! Like I've got this app on my phone um, called I Am Sober, and uh, well, does it t- tell you how much. Yeah, you it tells, save in tell money me, yeah, yeah, tell me, t- tells me how long I'll get it. Oh no, it's my phone's over there. Yeah. But I looked this morning, and it was like because I've gone a hundred and I think it's a hundred and ten days today, right? Um, and I've saved three and a half grand. Wow. <laughs> you know, it, I mean, I was spending, and this is the thing: you say wow, right? But that's. You know, that's not much, man. That's like a thousand pounds a month, well, which is only two hundred quid a week, which is two grams a week. One of the things that I'm, one of the things that <laughs> <laughs> you're still, you're still calculating your budget in terms of grams. Though, mate. Like, I'm still an addict <laughs> yeah. in here, man. Yeah, that's why but I'm it's, be careful. <laughs> it's also like things like today, isn't it? It's like because because when you're doing that three nights a week game, it's like you're not getting up like we did this morning. Right, let's get a song in the bank. Like maybe push, get two done. Like do this podcast yeah. and then it's like okay maybe we'll get back in the studio after this we'll keep working so it's like you're it's not just the money is it it's like no, the, yeah. the the day it's the a lifestyle and it's and also if, your shit that, as well yeah. your shit when you're awake yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> but it's like the compounding effect though isn't it it's like yeah. that productivity day after day week after week month after month it that's what i think that's what a lot of people are seeing now with you it's like you've now got this momentum shifting thing that's happening exactly but i think it does take time obviously mm. and also i don't want to I hope that I don't end up just falling it. You know, 
my worry is that I end up being boring and old. You know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, I'm not saying that drugs made me young and cool, but it was just, it was that party lifestyle. It was everything else that came with the drugs. And, you know, the fact that you would stay up later and you would drink more and you'd end up in a weird house and meet weird people and all these things. And, and every time I look back, it's like I actually cringe at almost every moment I've ever had on Coke. Like, I, I really, it's, it's a, it was a weird thing with me. It was like that, that first, line like you, so you know anyone who's done this will know exactly what i'm on about but no one ever talks about this but you go to the pub you've had two three beers maybe maybe you shouldn't have had your third because you were going to go at two but you had your third you know you go into the toilet you bump into your mate he goes do you want a key which is like a key of in a bag and you're like well it's only a key i've got to be back at 11 it'll be fine you have a key you do the key you come back outside, you walk outside in the, to the smoking garden, you're about to light a fag, you're three beers in, you just had a line, all your mates are laughing, and it's fucking bliss. There's no, and don't get me wrong, that moment's amazing, mm-hmm. and it will always be amazing. But from then on, it's all downhill. You know, all of a sudden, it wears off, and you go, oh, who's got the bag? Has he got the bag? Yeah, oh, he's got the bag. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, no, oh, no, he's giving it to his girlfriend. Oh, she does loads. Keep an eye on her, because she's always fucking finishing the bag yeah, off before yeah. anyone else. <laughs> and she didn't even pay for it. She never pays for it. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. Then all of a sudden, they get in a row because yeah. of coke, and they mm. start arguing. So they run off. So you don't even notice, because you're wasted mm. talking to some random guy you don't know all about yourself. Mm. <laughs> you <know? Yeah. laughs> then he gets bored eventually. You find your mates. You go back to a kitchen table, and you do the same thing for like yeah. the rest of the night and it does have <laughs> it does have that tendency of like literally dictating that social circle from yeah. that point forward yeah and that's that, it yeah. and nothing ever comes you'll probably end up playing your demos anyone who's a musician will start playing their songs that haven't been heard yet tell everyone how amazing they are you know that and was th- you wasn't it yeah yeah i mean like every, i mean anyone that i did it with it would end up be just in a kitchen somewhere playing demos he's just like what i'm better than this man and like you know nothing good happens after 2 a.m <laughs> you know it's like, well maybe 4 a.m <laughs> Unless you're at a festival. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, um, it's a different way of life, really. Good. You know, my mates come over now and then they go to bed at like, we, we, we all just, they leave at about 11 and we go to bed and it's, it's beautiful. We wake up in the morning feeling great. <laughs> and I can't believe I'm that guy now. <laughs> Preaching about it as well. But it's so good, Come man. on, guys. It's Sleep's so, amazing. Seriously, man. Like, <laughs> being able to sleep and just have an appetite again and, and be happy. That's the thing. Good. When everyone's on coke, nobody laughs everyone's talking about something deep you know like yeah like my parents split up and it was hard or this is what i'm gonna do with my job mm. yeah no one's saying oh do you remember that really hilarious time that like so and so did yeah, none of that everyone's self, <laughs> yeah. like self what's the word meditating on their own shit yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's it's tough but cool and the good thing is, is you don't feel the need to talk about cocaine at all these days. Do you? I'm joking, <laughs> but like you, just... <laughs> I have to, I have to try and sort of. No, but it's, it's it... almost like I'm keep reminding myself how bad it is so that yeah. I don't do it. <laughs> but it's also, it's also like I, one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this because obviously we had the writing session booked in a while. When we had our catch up on Instagram, I'm like, I want to document this point in time in your life. Yeah. Because I, I I've learned shit loads about it anyway. Like even yeah. even when you had your heartbreak and we ended up making some songs and and that like that whole process. But like, yeah. you're right. It's like as you went out and you were chatting that was on about Instagram this time like, last year, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When we wrote um, "Wasting Time," which is doing pretty well on Spotify, yeah. just dropped, didn't it? So yeah, go and yeah. stream that shit. Um, but the the mo- this moment where you have gone out on your Instagram live and you're talking to people about it and you're just being really honest and really transparent. Yeah. You can't really go too far wrong from here. Exactly. You you can only be yourself, you know, and and it's an interesting thing with that whole gut feeling with music. It's like if you put something out and you love it and your gut feeling said yes, if it mm. if it flops, well, it's okay because you've got a success. You've mm. got an achievement. You put out something that you really believed in and you'll mm. always love that, you know. Whereas if you put something out that you haven't you don't love and it flops, you didn't even love it. Yeah, what the yeah, hell? Yeah. You haven't even got that. Yeah. You didn't even like it. Yeah. And now you've got some shit song that everyone knows and that you didn't even <laughs> like it. <laughs> so at least this is a way of kind of going. And it's strange, like nowadays, like we've just recently changed singles. Like we're supposed to put out, we had, a, we had a single that we were going to put out around Christmas. And then last minute, I just felt, no, I, I want to go with this song mm. instead. And you can do that now, yeah. And I can do that now, firstly. And I said to my managers, you know, how difficult it is it? Has it been ingested into the system, blah, blah, blah? And they were like, hasn't, but are you sure you want to do this? Mm-hmm. 
And then I've kind of listened to the other one and I was like, oh, but it is good. And then, and then suddenly I thought, oh my God, how am I going to sort this? And then I just stopped, listened to my gut and it instantly said the in between. It said this song, mm. this is what you got to do. So I went, yep, we're doing that. Whereas before, you'd have so many. Cooks, that would have been two, yeah. three weeks. Yeah. That would have been two, three weeks of me just constantly going, "What should I do? What should I do?" Talking to everyone's got a different opinion. Oh, what's right? What's right? Mm. Whereas now it's like problem solved, mm. and that might be, you know, that might not do as well as the single, as this single. But you'll never know <laughs> either way, yeah. you know. So you may as well just go. You know, what's the point in worrying too much about that? Just go with feeling, because like, I'm lucky enough. We're lucky enough to have jobs where it's all about feeling. That that's literally the whole point. All all essentially we're doing is trying to make nice music. You know, we're not cha- we're not saving any lives. Really, we're not like a doctor. It's not needed, but you know, it, it's not like a necess- necessity. Could you imagine though, if like you put a verse in the wrong place and someone, <laughs> and someone died? died. <laughs> you know, as I was saying that, I was thinking actually, I guess some people do message me saying, you know, like, I was suicidal and your songs no, your helped. Music's... God knows how my music helped their suicide. <laughs> I thought it, made it would have made it worse. It's <laughs> fucking terrible, isn't it? But like, but you're right. You know, my I've got a, a business partner of mine in Holland. He's just such a legend. His name's Marcel Jansen, and he he said this one sentence to me ages ago, which is I'm sure is some old adage in a different variation. But he just said to me, Mark, in business and life, yes is okay, no is okay. Maybe you're dead. And I thought that stuck with me so hardcore because it's like yes, if you if you sit in this like limbo la la land not quite making a decision it's like yeah. every second that you're in that limbo and don't get me wrong sometimes you need to sit and think of a fucking decision i'm not saying just live your life be impulsive just, yeah. yeah but it's like yeah especially when there's not a right or wrong anyway just go in a direction and adjust and adjust and adjust and make the decision and music is full of people just like us sitting there yeah. second guessing constantly like it's hard isn't it because so so many people like send me tracks go oh, what do you think to this one what do you think to that one what do you and it's and you just want to go well what do you like exactly mm. you know it uh, but I, again we I'm, need the validation just like you're saying like, <laughs> you we need, need that validation yeah. but at the same time it's it's hard as an artist to learn to trust your own opinion mm. and i think now that i'm producing other people it's made it's given me the confidence to almost produce myself as well and, and say you know what should this be because so many people rely on my opinion for their songs it's like why can't i give this to myself mm. it's, <laughs> but it's the same for anyone whatever job people are in the clothes that they might wear in the morning whether they're wondering whether they should i don't know ask for a promotion or whatever it's like yeah. always well what do you think what do you think it's like and we are just so programmed from from the start of our of our lives aren't we to to have the validation and approval and really you shouldn't do something unless at least there's a consensus that says you should do it because it's hard isn't it but every like, time i've done something on validation it's yeah, gone wrong yeah it, it's you know even back in the day when you know you're in relationships and you know you don't really get on but you really fancy each other you, you know that it's, and you know your mates are going to be like, oh wow you're with her yeah mm. i know it's as shallow and simple as that all the way to signing a deal because my mum would care more mm. you know th- things like that and it never really works it, again you've just got to go by that gut feeling maybe i should call my album gut feeling <laughs> Like no, <laughs> I was thinking of calling it like a uh, long story short. <laughs> nice, um, but I'll probably just end up calling it Billy Lockett. <laughs> Billy Lockett, That's the thing, three, isn't yeah. it? You go for all these names, you just go, should we just call it your name? Yeah, nice. Self-titled. <laughs> Maybe just lock it. Um, what was I saying? I lost my train of thought. Uh, well, I mean, look, basically, you're in it. Yeah, it's the validation thing, yeah. you know, of kind of doing things for the wrong reasons, and now. I like to think that I live my life always kind of doing what feels right and what you know why am I in this situation because because of these various reasons and and it's and it's the right thing to do whereas I think before especially with the drugs and everything it was kind of just like what's everyone going to think would be like cool for me to do like I, I was always thinking about how everyone else is going to see me see I still think I'm in that trap if I'm being honest, really? like, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess it, it's fine if you haven't ever discovered. No, like in a way, because like even as you're saying that, I just think that I I try and like my ethos is always going to be to try and just do shit that makes me happy and all the time, and I, I'm definitely better at that. But like, I am just a sucker for giving a shit what people think. Yeah, well, I guess we kind of have to in a way, don't we, with our jobs? But because obviously, you know, if everyone hates 
what you're doing then you literally don't, then have, you a don't have a job yeah <laughs> so it's it is hard for us isn't it to constantly have to you know this is an interesting thing do you reckon you'd have or be anywhere near as active on your instagram and facebook if you weren't doing music or you weren't promoting yourself i i've had this conversation at length and i genuinely believe if i wasn't doing music i would never touch social media and because the thing that a lot of people don't necessarily know about me and i don't talk about it often is the digital agency and i know we've spoken about it before but i got involved with digital marketing very early and mm. i'm i'm connected with a lot of very uh, smart people in digital marketing agencies and social media platforms so i've had a very very close look at what they're doing and it is shocking and people have seen the social dilemma yeah, we see, yeah. and they've seen the stuff that is public but when you see what they're doing behind the scenes and you see where they're going in the years to come it's chilling so no i, I wouldn't touch it and, and i think that it's part and parcel with a career in anything nowadays because but what do you mean what, what obviously you probably can't tell me what but it, it, it no, can't no, be no, any no, more I, than what, what are they going to do i always think you know I, why would they care? Why would they care about having all my information? You know, like, you know, I'm not important enough for anyone to give a sh Like, you know, oh, everyone knows everything about everyone. It's like, yeah, so I'm not very important, whatever. Like, because it's absolutely not about you in a singular sense. You're right. What's your data worth? Nothing, really. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <joking>. But like, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, me and you, like, we're little specks in the ocean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if you can control the ocean. Well, yeah, but I mean... If any, if anything, the ocean has always been controlled. It's just the people controlling it are different. I think you know it was Channel, it was BBC, a, and it was the magazines and newspapers before, and then it was. I think it's a very different thing when you start involving. And again, like you say, oh, as if I can't talk. It's not like I'm MI5 or something. Yeah, like, I agree like, with you. By the way, I'm like, just being yeah. devil's advocate here. But, <laughs> but like, if you and you know, you can sort of mark my words because obviously this is a podcast that's going to be going out. But like. You, you will see these platforms begin to dominate uh, in very important economic games when it comes to the retail space, when it comes to things like the live music market is a silly example, yeah. right up to some of the biggest... Um, the, the, the biggest kind they're of... They're becoming shops, basically. They're going to become... You yeah. know the Walmart's and the, and the uh... exactly they're gonna they're gonna be brokering their lovely little deals and transactions with the with the banks and the biggest bank well, uh, like... credit card companies and before you know it they're gonna understand everything about every product that solves the the margin that those products are at and then they're gonna start squeezing that and they're gonna they're gonna own... but haven't shops done that just with records of what they're selling in their company? Well, here's a good example, and I know we're going way off topic here because I really want to talk about you. So the fact that this is <laughs> no, quite, is kind of interesting, but it's like here's the difference. If me and you have a shop and we set up in Northampton where we are now and we, yeah. go, and we, go, and we go and see, all right, well, my shop better be good because I've got to compete against your shop, right? And if my products are better, then hopefully if my service is better, then um, in this capitalist game that we play, my shop's going to do quite well. And if you just don't give a shit and you don't care about your customers, you're not going not gonna to do very well. The difference between when you have infrastructural systems like this coming into place and observing not just you, but observing your customer's behavior and observing what they're willing to pay for the product and observing what you're willing to sell it for and observing, well, what margin would you be happy with against what one would put you out of business? I'm the customer, basically. Basically, everyone's, everyone's the customer. And, yeah. and when it comes to these systems coming into place going, okay, I now know exactly what this guy can sell this product for to make just enough money to stay in business but not enough to go out and I can basically like chunk the rest of it in my back pocket. It's, not, it's a completely different game of competition it's not even a competition anymore and and what that does is a knock-on effect to essentially global economy uh, uh, the global economy is going to be interesting yeah you know I, I hate to be a doomsday sort of person well, because it's I, like i'm kind of like i'm obviously it's, it's kind of dumb to be optimistic about it but i'm intrigued to see where is this all goes you know just like i was quite intrigued by this whole lockdown thing just to be like okay this is going to be unusual i wonder what's going to change yeah. are we going to be throttling each other in yeah yeah because i i've got to admit i, I mean i sound probably like 100 years old right now but just before lockdown i really i kept saying this to kirsten like, i really felt like i didn't like the world i lived in in terms of, i didn't i didn't i didn't really get it like i didn't understand so many of the things that were taking over um like celebrity culture and music and mm. i just felt so disenamored yeah just i almost just felt like why is everyone so different from me it's because we're getting old mate 100%. but then but then weirdly when lockdown hit 
it kind of made me realize that oh wow we are actually all so similar mm. really like we all really care about you know all the same things really mm. deep down and and we don't live that different lives if weirdly i felt like the world kind of Can reset bit, or, yeah, yeah, yeah reconnected and obviously it's awful and i'm in a very privileged position where you know i still got my job and you know i i mean it could have been a lot worse mm. lockdown could have hit me in a lot worse place but at the same time, I think there is, there is some good to to come out of this. Mm. You know, there's probably a lot more good than people might think. Um, it's just going to take time. And I think we were getting to a point where everything was getting a bit mental. Yeah. Like we had to like, you know, just before lockdown, everything was amazing. And then it went bad. Mm. Everything was pretty mental. <laughs> like before, you know, we yeah. just, this was just another thing. <laughs> but now I feel like we're getting in a good good like brexit seems to have gone very quiet trump's out you know there's a vaccine things look, look okay now I've, i'm optimistic what have you done with billy lockett <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just looking at the facts of like you know what when something awful happens normally normally that's when things really start to go well but for me you know when when my dad died it, you know everything was terrible for maybe like half a year to a year but then things started to really work mm. and i got signed and everything happened you know and then you know, when I got dropped, it was like everything was pretty bad. But now we're, we're looking at an optimistic mm. world. I mean, I mean, excited by the future. And I agree, man, 100%. Like, I've always felt that. I think that what's happening with our awareness of climate, what's happening with our awareness of, like, healthcare professionals, yeah. like, what we're seeing. And everyone's so much more liberal now and everything, you know... Um, you know, non-binary is a totally normal thing and, and it's great and, and it, people are allowed to be anything they want. Uh, I think that's, I think there's a hell of a lot of good. The whole Black Lives Matter movement, I mean, that's been going for a long time, but now it really feels like it's sticking and, and becoming such a, an amazing movement. And it, it's it's interesting. It's kind of, um, one of the, an artist was saying to me the other day, actually, you know, Billy, like, we're white, middle-class, male singer-songwriters this is a tough time for us, you know, but I, I'm okay with that because for years and years and years, we have been so privileged, mm. you know, and had everything and I've, it's, oh, it's great. I've, I feel like there's no way I'd want to go back even a year, even a year ago, the whole world was different, mm. you know, and I'm just thinking, wow, like imagine what it's going to be like in five or six years, how amazing this planet could be, you know, just thinking about... It's crazy, like just what, even when you're watching like James Bond movies from the eighties. Have you ever watched any of those? Man, Old that's, school, that's quite a segue. How sexy? No, but, but how sexist they are, and how normal it is, yeah, and oh, how well, and how outrageous yeah, yeah. Yeah. some of the things that, that people say in movies. Even like even like five or six years ago, when you watch a, a mm. movie, and you're like, what? Why is that? Why have all the females in this movie got no character? You know, yeah. <laughs> and it's like whereas nowadays. Everyone's so mindful of that, and it's oh, it's great. I think well, it's, it's good. like I was having this chat with a friend of mine, Kelvin Jones, who's, who was the last podcast that we just did, and it feels like what we're we saying is like there's a there's a feeling of rising tide lifting all ships vibe now. It's like the opportunity is now real, and it's and it's and it's getting much more. I mean, I'm we've still got a long way to go, but like it's feeling like the equality of opportunity is really starting to actually make some genuine progress yeah. now, and it's a really exciting time because when that happens, it's like that's when we all get to to see the real talent out there. And, yeah. and there's so many exciting artists coming through. And you're right. I, and, I, and I love the positivity of it because it's easy to forget, isn't it? That, that, that yeah, we've got it good, We've got good times ahead. I don't, time. I don't think we... I, I don't think I... I mean, obviously, you say, yeah, obviously, I'm not racist. Obviously, I'm not sexist. But I don't think you realise how just in the way of your... The way you live and the way your brain is kind of almost wired because of how you know from you growing well, up like that institutionalized that bias institutional kind of thing, thing yeah, yeah, of like mean, yeah. you know i had a, i had a female manager for for th four years and and it was so interesting to see how badly she was treated and we were both treated by a group of like middle-aged white men in a label and it, it, it's it really interesting to see the difference of how you know I mean, sadly, it still is. But the difference, how my my current managers are, you mm. know, middle middle aged, middle class white men, and it's really interesting to see how much more respect they were given by the industry the facto, than yeah, than yeah, with yeah, Helena. Yeah. You know, there were times when, and you know, and uh, Helena's had to go through that for her whole life in an industry where it's unusual to be a woman. You know, and Kirsten, she's a she's marketing at PS and a record label, and and 
she, she's lucky that it, she's just started on that wave of equality mm. because for so long, you know, the music industry, I mean, it still is very heavily dominated by men, but, but we're, we are moving closer to a better, a more fair mm. end. Well, not end, but just a more fa- more fair life. But the amount of times, like we had to really fight, and and thinking back, I never thought it was sexism. But thinking back, it's like, oh, actually, that probably, you know, they probably wouldn't have shouted at her as much if she was a man. Mm. Like uh, it, it's it's really awful, you know, because I talked to well, like to male band, managers, and they're like, what? They shouted at you. I was like, gonna say it's a bit deep. I know, but they would. They yeah. screamed down the phone, like scream at both of us, and it was, it was, it's hard, you know, when when you're kind of trying to make decisions with a group of people who already innately are wired to to feel like they have more like it's a combat, right like, than you yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. you yeah. know it's like whether or not you, i mean obviously they probably didn't mean to but it's just how it was you know you never had a meeting with you know five women and five men in a label mm. it was always all men <laughs> it's mm. like really really strange but you know, it feels like it's getting better. But this is, yeah. And again, when, when we start looking at what you're doing with your career moving forward and the team that you can build around you, it's like, there's no, the sky's the limit and, and the choice yeah. is going to be based on people who, who you get along with and who can, who, well, who are most competent. the thing is that you can you, choose your yeah. team now because you're paying them. You know? Yeah. But like <laughs> when we start to think about um, what's, what's on the horizon for Billy Lockett, like where, where do you see yourself going now? Like when we do this again in like five years time, where, where are we thinking you're going to be? I hope not in a hole. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm, I just want to see um, how happy I can possibly be. I mean, Mate, that's cringe, but I like it. I, <laughs> I like know. it. I, know I just want to see just how, uh, how good it can get really. Um, I think I'm going to put, I'm going to finally actually do an album. I know I've been talking about that for like, 27 years now but but i am gonna do an album yeah um so i'm releasing the cp then i'm gonna make the album and i'm just gonna see how how big we can make this without a label like all my fans are like family i've i've sort of grown up with these people for like 10 years some of these people like and it's weird i've only met some of them two or three times at shows but i really feel this connection now just because it's been so long you know, of doing this. But also, you know that that support is probably at times what has kept you going, right? Yeah. Because like... They mean so much to yeah, me, you know, yeah. and, I, and I spend, uh, you know, I spend every evening replying to every single comment. And obviously, I know that, you know, it's for the alg- uh, algorithms help and all that stuff. But really, I get this like pit of my, pit of my stomach feeling of like, just, ru- I just don't want to be rude. And, and I really want to, to like talk to them, mm. you know, and I know that's kind of sad. It's basically names on a screen, but you know, I'm replying to everybody because I want to have those conversations. And mm. it's like, oh yeah, uh, Joanne, oh cool. I've, you know, how yeah. how's your so and so? How's yeah. your son in uni? Or like, oh, how's your daughter getting on? Like doing music. She started to pick up piano last year, and then yeah. she's still doing it. Yeah, all these yeah. things, and like, it's it's so connect connecting. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's like a, it's like its own family, and yeah. and it's like. Just the, the stuff you can learn, the network. The, well, it's the just ideas being not, people, it's just yeah. people, isn't yeah. it? It's like comments used, replying to comments used to be sort of like work and a ball late, but now it's quite nice because it's like getting to just talk to people for a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with lockdown, you know? Yeah. That's the only way we can really connect. Um, so it's like, so you see yourself moving forward now, you're going to create the album, you're going to build this tribe, you're going to focus yeah. a lot on that, on the... On, I mean, obviously, I want more fans. Everyone, everyone wants more fans. I bet even Ed Sheeran wants more fans. You've got a lot of fans. I've got a lot of fans, and I'm, I'm nearly at the point where I can, not, not worry, not worry at all. You know, all through my life, and you're probably the same. But you know, you put a record out, and you just worry that it's just not going to go right, and you're not going to get anything. And I still have that feeling when I put a record out, it could still flop and it could just suck. And and I just, I'm really looking forward. That's my sort of goal, really. It's not really a Brit Award or, you know, do O2, oh, I've actually done O2, but all of those things, they're not really important to me now. I just, I just want to be able to not have to panic that it's all going to go wrong and I'm going to be a failure. And, and I'm j- nearly out of that now. Yeah. I think I've done almost enough achievements in my life now that when I tell my grandkids you know what i did i can be proud of it mm. that's really like the main goal to not be like yeah but you didn't really do that well granddad <laughs> <It's> like, oh, <laughs> <God."> 
So, mate, I played the O2 arena. Thank you. It's like, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. want, I just want to be able to have done enough that I can be like, yeah. it was. I mean, it is, it is worth it anyway. You know, it's like we don't. My dad used to say this: we don't, we didn't choose to do this. It chose us. And if we had a choice, we probably wouldn't have done it. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But I have no choice. I have to write songs. I have to make music. You know, I just, I have to do it. And the fact that people want to listen is has always been mental <laughs> to me <laughs> well i mean there are shitloads of people that want to listen and including me i'm looking forward to the album coming out i'm so excited with what you got going on and uh Thanks. and i and i really appreciate you doing this as well so we'll, we'll do this in five years time when the yeah. arena is called the facebook arena or wherever it is <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll, we'll see where we're at the facebook yeah. arena oh god is that is that a little hint to what's to come <laughs> <laughs> i love that if i play this back in five years like oh shit how did he know yeah but um, but no, I appreciate it, and it's an exciting times, and I'm looking forward to releasing more music with you. Um, but yeah, yeah, thank you, man. It's it's it feels like your your project's going great as well, man. And you're and you were the one who told me about this independent route, you know. And even when you played one of your songs on Spotify, you're like, oh yeah, this reminds me of one of my tunes. You played it, and I look, and those figures are big, man. And like, you know, there's there's million numbers on those million numbers, the big ones. Yeah, and it's the, just like, lots of zeros. and I just it's... looked at that, and I was like, man, you just got up a tune, and it's like a million plays. And I and I'm sitting on you know millions of plays as well, and we and we just take that for granted. Like, oh yeah, cool, yeah, play that one. Yeah, we should do it like that. Mm. It's like, you, you know, even th- four or five years ago, we would have dreamt of this. It's Big it's time. good to try and, you know, it's it's always good to just like sometimes look around and smell the bacon. Don't get complacent and think, oh yeah, I've made it because I I'm, I don't think I'll ever feel that. But but there is something very healthy in just going. I, everything's okay and I'm doing all right. Yeah, I spoke you know? about this with, with um, Gareth Emery and it's like taking that time to have that mantra of, of just absorbing and yeah. taking a moment just going, you know what, it's it's really, really important for, for anyone listening. It's just like, especially if you're working really hard, especially if you're like just running a million miles all the time, you've got to stop now and again and just go, yeah. you know, life's good. Life's really, really good right now. We've got yeah. a lot of opportunity. Everything's good, you know, um, and and I guess now it's time to eat some pizza. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is indeed. Are you hungry? Yeah, I am starving. Yeah, I, I just had this one other thing. I was t- talking to my mate about this of like, I feel like we're in this position in our careers where like you spend about eight or nine years mm. getting to this point where you're you're okay there. Yeah, yeah. Right? you can survive on music. But it? you're yeah. knackered. Yeah. And so you're like, you finally got, you've waded through that desert. And now you're finally making a little bit of money and it's all right, but you need to regroup, recharge, have a nap, eat some food. <laughs> you know that you're not there, but that's, a whole, you know, you need to get to that 50, 60,000 mark, but that's another time. You know, let me yeah. just have this moment of not having to kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> and, you're like, and then you get well, Maybe that's what this whole lockdown has been about. Yeah, and, and I think it is, yeah. Just slowing down a little bit and now we can regroup. And, and It's about stages, isn't it? And you, with artists, you kind of don't hear about them until you, you only ever see the end product a lot of the time. A lot of people people uh, think you know it was i mean that's that classic thing of like you spend five years to be an overnight sensation but when you really think about that like you know the struggle is so it's an incredible thing and i think that me and you really have had journeys like you know, mm. you've been three different band be, names. I've got you saved a, in my phone as three different bands. It'd be a waste of time otherwise. It's got to be a struggle. Wasting that's time out now. Yeah, Stream it. Stream it. But it really is hard, you know. You have to really, really know that you want, you desperately want to do this. Yeah, for sure. You know, because I think it requires some level of insanity to try and become oh, yeah, a it's professional mental. musician. If, if my son came up, right, if, when I have a son or, or a daughter, sorry, um, there you go. That's that institutional. Oh, sorry. Um, Stop the cameras. But if, if they come up to me and say, you know, I want to be a musician, mm. Dad, I'd be like, absolutely not. You, no, do you know what? I'd yeah. be like, all right, play me something. And if it's not good, I'm being honest. You'd probably, <laughs> you'd probably be like, all right, I'll tell you what, write a song a day for a year. Yeah. And then if you can do that, you might have a chance. <laughs> you know what the hard thing is if you're like, I feel bad for the people who are quite good. because it, or, or even like, you know, it's so difficult because we're in a job where like, even if you're incredible, you still probably won't make it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, isn't that a nightmare? Like, yeah. if you were the best doctor in the world, you'd have a great job. Whereas, mm. you know, it's a, it's that thing of, like, McDonald's is the most mm. successful restaurant in the world. But yeah. it doesn't mean it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a shame. So you just got to plod away. If anyone's watching this and they're a singer, 
just don't quit. Just keep doing it until eventually everyone's just sick of you failing and they give you a chance. (laughs) That's what we're doing. (laughs) Dude, thank you so much for doing this. Cheers.